Welcome to Streaming Wisdom, a place to discover your very own wisdom being activated through my storytelling. Just like me, you weren't made to fit into this consensus reality that you've quietly doubted your whole life because you are destined to pioneer a new one, shoulder to shoulder with many of us. And it's an auspicious time for humankind right now. So let's find each other and lead the way from our hearts and from the frequencies of real love, true power and wisdom. Consider me a friendly voice by your side, encouraging you as you continue to liberate yourself, express your genius in the world and fulfill your original intention. I hope you're as delighted as I am and have found yourself a cozy corner to relish in this episode of Streaming Wisdom. Welcome back to a whole new season of Streaming Wisdom. I took a break from streaming for a wee bit as I found myself on an inner quest through some slightly challenging weeks where every attempt at forward momentum felt sabotaged and eventually I got the hint. <laughs> I stopped and really took in the gravity of what I was already stepping into this year. I owed myself some compassion deep long breaths and acknowledgement of where I was at before finishing one thing and then saying, okay, on to the next. I'd inadvertently found myself on a little hamster wheel getting busier by the day. And I'm so relieved and kind of proud that I caught myself in the very act. I also found myself in a little bit of a rut with loads of creative ideas and energy wanting to come through me but for the life of me, I couldn't execute anything. <laughs> I couldn't really express it. Nothing worked. I spent days at my computer making notes with a powerful force building inside of me. Sometimes the energy got so strong, I would periodically get up from my desk and pace around the house talking to myself just to let it out. <laughs> I was also a little frustrated, irritated at times, and even got bored of myself. I didn't think I could do that. <laughs> I've never been bored of myself before, but I think I got bored of repetition as well and just, as a result, got bored of me. I was mostly housebound by weeks of overcast days and absolute pouring rain. Just the time I stubbornly believed that I could be at home and get stuck into my creative endeavors, but everything I touched seemed to shatter in my very hands. Oh, it was so challenging. I had all this time, all this space and this giant desire to create and <laughs> I couldn't. I put it down to something was coming up and out of my being for good. And I dare say I'm not the only one. It feels as though earth was getting absolutely pummeled with high frequencies and we were all getting fine-tuned in preparation for the next phase of whatever collective process we seem to be in. Many seemingly lost memories resurfaced and showed me what was leaving my body, what wasn't coming along for the ride. 
well, at least in their wounded expression. I also cracked my phone screen, fell down the stairs, somehow broke my Mac computer, recorded a whole podcast without any sound, and that's just a few among a very, (laughs) very long list of many other ridiculous things that were all trying to say the same thing. Stop. Get in your body. Get present to your surroundings. And... I'm getting there. (laughs) So right now I'm a little vulnerable, greatly humbled and still coming out of my wonkiness, but it's time to share some topics that I believe initiated this whole process for me about a month ago. Just the thought of even streaming about these seriously sensitive matters took me on a not so joyful ride, but a very fruitful one. And I'm honored to be here reporting back on my adventure. In my naivety, I hadn't considered what I was truly taking on, but here I finally am, (laughs) relieved beyond words to warmly welcome you to this mini-series on how I reconnected to my infinite source of energy that I believe we all have within. This all happened when I was able to identify and alter my habits that were depleting me, versus ones that were enhancing my life force energy. I initiated a quest to discover life beyond chronic fatigue and how to heal through my habits. I have so much to share about this topic, and goodness has it worked me, that the entire of this season will likely be centered around what true wellness is and how we can reconnect with our inner well rather than deplete it. The seed was planted a long time ago and has been growing ever since. So let's start at the real beginning. If you tuned into the last season of Streaming Wisdom, you'll know that I was diagnosed with quote-unquote chronic fatigue at 18 years of age and have experienced a few major relapses since. Up until the last few years, when my life and health really turned around for the best, I experienced fatigue all of that time, that's 20 years, and the relapses were more severe. For half of my existence, it felt as though my life force energy gauge was sitting somewhere between a quarter of a tank to running on empty. So I've had a pretty decent journey with fatigue and know all about how oppressing and all-encompassing its reach is into every facet of life. And I've noticed something recently. I was more of a rare case back in the day, and now I'm not. So many experience either burnout or long-term fatigue, whether it's more subtle, pervading everyday life, or more obvious, wiping one out for weeks and months at a time. It's as though society has totally lost its reference point for wellness and our natural state, which is to thrive just as nature does, in its natural conditions. That part is key. So what sparked me to stream about this? Well, this emerged in my field last year after reaching a point on my health journey where I started to feel really good for the first time since I can truly remember. I actually never thought I would be able to say that as once upon a time, I didn't hold the vision of me getting well. I didn't believe it was possible. I collected too much evidence 
that my belief in my healing was misplaced. I'd had too much upset and disappointment in the past. Turns out it was possible. (laughs) It's as though my overall health baseline increased significantly, giving me more access to life force energy and the ability to heal, repair, strengthen, mend, and most importantly, regenerate. Along with that was a veil that lifted from my eyes, for I was once blind and overnight I could truly see how unhealthy people really are and the impact of their lifestyle. And speaking of lifestyle, living on the sunshine coast of Queensland after many years of city life heightened this observation even more. I remember some years ago when I lived in Brisbane, I often felt the urge to vamoose on the weekends and took many day trips in every direction I could towards national parks, the beach. I'd go west to the Sanford Valley, south to the Gold Coast hinterland and northbound to the Sunshine Coast. Driving out of Brisbane was always an interesting experience because I felt the very moment I'd entered a whole new ecosystem and the corresponding threshold of energy somewhere along my way. As I began climbing the winding roads to Mount Glorious past the town of Samford, I would feel this energetic shift, or sometime after turning off the M1 to enter Springbrook National Park. And when I headed up north, it was always when the Glasshouse Mountains came into view on the highway. I would immediately feel the true essence of the energy of Brisbane and what I was living in and coming from. It was this thick energy of muck, stress and mental busyness because the moment I reached the threshold, I felt the lightness of my being and the ecosystem I'd entered. My mind felt clear. I was centered in my heart. I actually felt present and like I could take a real deep breath of fresh air for the first time in who knows how long. So much tension in my body would leave with each breath. On the return trip, I was often in high spirits, feeling happy, relaxed and elated from a day in fresh air, grounding, swimming and nature. Without having any awareness of my location, all of a sudden I'd hit the same threshold coming back and was thrown into the thick energy of Brisbane, which was an absolute shock to my system Never once was I prepared for this. As it caught me by surprise, often my traveling companion would turn to me equally surprised and comment on the change in energy. Like, it's not just me, it's a real thing. And this is not everyone's experience as we all interact with energy fields differently based on our unique selves and where we need to be. Some places are a match and sometimes they're not. Clearly for me, I was destined to leave Brisbane and found myself a few years later in this beautiful part of the coast, and now I can really tell the difference between the two places and the people. What I notice is, the energy levels in people are vastly different. Here on the coast, I stroll along the beach most mornings, passing many people exercising, walking their dog, going for a surf or swim, and I feel their life force energy. Without ever meaning to, I certainly don't intrude, I receive it like a stream of data. 
I pass many radiant, sun-kissed people who are shining from the inside out and are clearly experiencing a certain level of health and wellness above and beyond what I witness in Brisbane or most cities in Australia and probably the world because city life can be harsh on our health, at least in my experience. On the rare occasion I visit any city, I'm shocked. I will never get used to arriving in a sea of inherently sick people. Sounds harsh, I know, but an honest take on what I'm seeing. And what I'm witnessing among many things is tension, stress, inflammation, and especially fatigue. People are kind of blown up and swollen. They appear sluggish and lacking vital life force energy. I witnessed this recently when I went to a large shopping center. Now, I often joke that I have a lifetime self-imposed ban on shopping centers because I don't like them. (laughs) I don't like how I feel inside of them and everything I see, and I have very little interest in what I can buy from there. So I hadn't been in a large crowd like that for some time. That day, it worked out easier to see a travel agent from there rather than where I would normally go. So I took a deep breath and walked in with the dream of the travel agent being right next to the entrance. It wasn't. (laughs) I had to weave my way through a maze of madness and was met by a pretty long line of eager travelers lining up. So I took a seat and began observing everyday people walking past, something I've always loved doing, but less so as time goes on because looking at people makes me feel kind of sad. The reason being, I've changed, and also, so have people. We've certainly been through some rough years that have taken its toll on mental health, and physically, it appears people are expressing the signs of long-term exposure to incredibly unsafe levels of EMFs, chemicals, poisons, drugs, and food-like substances. It's not looking good out there. I sat back and watched streams of people pass by with a demeanor that made my skin crawl. So many health issues, weight, inflammation, fatigue, and a lack of life force energy, posture that tells me they are in great pain, physically and emotionally, and others were totally vacated from their bodies altogether. They were lost, just following the motions, acting out predetermined behavior. And there were a lot of heavy mouth breathers. If you've ever walked into an aged care facility and saw people sitting in front of a TV, you will know what I mean. Their jaws are dropped and mouths are wide open. And if they are asleep, they are snoring because they are breathing through their mouth. Your nostrils are for breathing. (laughs) Your mouth is an emergency backup if your nose is blocked. Every breath through your nose says yes to life. Breathing through your mouth is like being on life support. So many people that day were metaphorically on life support, just hanging in. What's scary about all this is when you're surrounded by millions of people who aren't thriving, you won't necessarily notice an issue. And how can you? Your brain is wired to closely observe the majority population and compare yourself to them. How they look is something you're wired to align with, all in the name of survival. If everyone's doing it, it must be right. It must be safe. So if everyone's unwell, your alarm bells won't necessarily go off. 
Instead, you unconsciously alter yourself to look like them and act like them, to virtually mimic their daily habits and behavior, which is exactly what I'm streaming about in these first few episodes because of its impact on our life force energy. So yeah, it's time to forewarn you. I'll be covering my journey through some seriously addictive substances that everyone seems to be consuming and happens to play a major role in our fatigue epidemic. And these are caffeine, alcohol, and sugar. Please don't hang up. (laughs) No, I trust that if you need to vamoose right now, then that's what's right for you. And you can always tune back in another time if you feel the call. But if it helps, I will preface this by saying that I am no purist nor health guru, and I never intend to make myself or you feel wrong, bad, or guilty about our behaviors because I get it. I really get it. (laughs) And when you hear my story, it's unlikely that you will doubt my compassion. Also, guilt tripping someone is both ineffective and a temporary motivator. Motivation lasts about 15 minutes, but inspiration can last a lifetime. I prefer to inspire and empower you in all my streams. So if you're looking for a fresh new perspective about these substances that won't make you feel horrible and could really help you, well, I trust that you've found it. And I must use the sword of truth where needed. I will not tiptoe around nor sugarcoat this. It's too important. And I'll begin to wield my sword by saying that if you're consuming some or all of these substances, caffeine, alcohol, and sugar, nearly every day like I was, then don't be surprised if you get sick a lot, feel tired all the time, and just know that you're not thriving The constant frequency of sickness and the collective acceptance of tiredness as a part of everyday life is not our natural state. It's something that should be raising alarms. And hear what I said to myself when I began changing my habits and finally realized the impact of these substances. No fucking wonder I was so exhausted all the time. It's not me. I'm not broken. I'm not weak. It's not my age. It's what I was doing. My lifestyle choices and daily habits contributed greatly to this. The power to feel different was always in my hands, my heart, and in my head. And trust me, I could pinch myself at this moment because this is not something I ever thought I would speak about so passionately. I was in total denial because compared to the average person, I lived a much healthier lifestyle. Well, at least from my 30s, certainly not before then. (laughs) But that's half the issue. I was comparing myself to those who are not a good measure of health and wondered why I felt awful. Now, when I think about it, comparing myself to a society suffering from health epidemics of obesity, cancer, heart disease, food intolerances, adrenal fatigue, inflammation, autism, dementia, Alzheimer's, and diabetes is not going to guarantee good health. Collectively, we're in a state of slumber and amnesia about many things, (laughs) but regarding this, we have forgotten what it means to thrive in our natural way of wellness, vitality, vitality, 
joy, radiance, and zest for life. And if this is something that feels true and possible for you, I am so glad that you're tuning in today because I have lots to share about this. And I truly, truly believe that by listening in, your own wisdom around these topics will emerge, guiding you towards your inner vitality well. But first, when did we lose our vitality? Why can't we remember what this is like? Why are so many sick and tired that you can't even point it out anymore? These questions ignited a quest. And it turns out that this quest had been brewing in my field for some time. About 10 years ago, my flatmate was telling me about a recent doctor visit. He wasn't a big guy in height nor weight and asked his doctor about this, as he was often told that he looked too thin by his peers. His doctor, very wisely I must add, replied that he was in excellent shape, that everyone else was in trouble, and that 50 years ago he would have looked like the everyday man, but compared to the average man today, he was skinny. I guess he was comparing himself to inflamed men, many of whom were retaining excess fluid which made them appear thicker, and men who were either overweight or carried that classic large gut, and others who altered their body mass through intense weight training. For some reason, that conversation never left me, a seemingly futile thing to remember. It wasn't until last year that this ongoing memory loop started to make sense. My partner and I stopped drinking alcohol and coffee many months before, and as a result, lost excess weight, fluid retention, and inflammation. In particular, his face shape changed and looked less swollen. We were both intrigued and found ourselves observing people's faces and body shapes, discovering that nearly everyone was severely inflamed, particularly in the city. Even people that looked thin also appeared a little swollen and puffy. Not long after, at a family gathering, I met some old school friends of my partner and was immediately taken back because they looked so healthy, vibrant and young compared to others their age. Later, my partner shared that they had completely given up sugar some years ago, which means alcohol too, I guess. And that bit of information was very much noted by me. After watching some older films, we observed that people's faces and body shape was vastly different to what we see now. And I don't think for the best. Today, I see round, puffy, swollen faces, often drained of life force energy everywhere. And collectively, we've become so accustomed to this. We can't see what's going on. We aren't noticing and tracking the change because everyone is changing together. This reminded me of another conversation I did not forget. A friend telling me about a trip through Central America years ago. Through his travels, he was able to see old photos of families when he was traveling through small towns and roadhouses. He noticed the whites of their eyes were pure white, nothing like what we see today. And I'm sure the quality of the photos and the fact that they were black and white played a role, but I did wonder about this. It seems logical that staring at screens all day whilst being penetrated by toxic blue light and getting less sunlight essential for good eye health would probably make a difference to our eyes. These days, the whites of people's eyes seem cloudy, misty, and slightly off color to me. As we adjust to a modern lifestyle, 
How is our health doing? And is anyone tracking these changes? I just tracked mine. The other day I pulled out my passport as I'm about to embark on a trip to Portugal and saw a woman from nine years ago staring back at me, supposedly at the height of health and youth in her early 30s. Her face was so swollen compared to mine today that I wondered if I would be accepted through customs because she looks nothing like me. And I wonder, what would I look like now if I hadn't made any changes to my habits? Ooh, I shudder at the thought. <laughs> anyway, back to my quest. The next startling moment was seen before and after pics of when someone reduced sugar from their diet and the change in their face was quite remarkable. This inspired me to look into reducing sugar and carbohydrates and introduce an intermittent fasting lifestyle. For reals though, not just pretending I was. <laughs> not long into this lifestyle change, I remember one day suddenly stopping in my tracks as a new sensation washed over me. I felt into the possibility of two very distinct timelines and that I was making a choice, one that would change everything. What became known to me was the timeline of natural aging versus the timeline of premature death. And I wondered if many symptoms of premature death are often written off as a natural part of aging. I recalled how many times I'd heard someone say, oh, it's just old age in response to a health issue, like it was their destiny and they couldn't change it. I used to cringe. I didn't believe it and I don't think I was in denial about aging. It just felt so helpless, like an automated response, something their parents said and their parents said before them. To me, it was an excuse to avoid responsibility for their lifestyle choices. What I realized that day was that the only choice I had, the only path I was heading down, which was premature death, turned into a fork in the road. And I saw another timeline had become available to me, which I'd already chosen. And that was the path of natural aging. Yes, we lose water content as we age, and that contributes to so many health issues. But are we exacerbating this water loss through our lifestyle and blaming age? This giant question mark hung around in my field for a few weeks until I let it go. But I knew this inquiry would lead me to wonderful things. I continued on my quest. Now it's my birthday, the 3rd of January, 2022, well before first light. I'm lying in a hammock stargazing in my backyard. The quiet of the warm night feels as though there's only me and the stars in the whole world. I merge with star energy and information floods my being as I feel the essence of my year ahead, the last year of my 30s. I had resolved chronic pain the previous year and now it was time to complete my journey with chronic fatigue. This year was the beginning of the end of a 20-year prison-like experience in my body. I was going to regenerate my cells, my body, and change my life, and hopefully many other lives along the way. Soon after this, I noticed that my lifestyle and food habits altered greatly as the right people and information came my way to create what felt like a giant reset in my body. 
I began fasting regularly and allowed my body to enter into a state of ketosis for around three months. I lost additional weight, swelling, inflammation, and fluid retention, but most of all, my energy levels increased yet again. Now, before I get too carried away in the physical, here I want to speak into another important aspect of rediscovering my natural state of thriving in health and wellness. It's multidimensional and that it doesn't just exist in the physical realm in my physical body. It's much more than what I drink, eat, or how I exercise and look after myself. As I healed my core wounding, inhabited more of my being, expressed myself truly and authentically, my health improved with every step. And coincidentally, so did my ability to maintain a truly healthy lifestyle. These things go hand in hand. My life force energy comes from an infinite well within. And I wasn't truly accessing this well for most of my life and eventually found that real vitality is connected to living to my design and true nature, as well as being in the flow of nature. I believe that when we are on purpose, we have access to a whole new source of energy that exists beyond sunlight and isn't dependent on nutrition. So this season is going to open up a whole new take on wellness and what's possible. But today, it's a pretty physical discussion, seemingly, which is literally talking about what we keep putting in our mouths over and over again. But again, it's multidimensional. There are huge emotional, mental and spiritual aspects to these behaviors that I will certainly enjoy going into. Back to the present, where I am today. Yes, I have more energy to reclaim. But I've come so far from where I was, I could almost shout my discoveries from the rooftops. And whilst I won't do that, this is the next best thing. So here we are. Here we are. (laughs) I'm a little nervous about this topic, truth be told. I'm exposing substances that the entire world consumes every day. Highly addictive, yet highly accepted substances. So much so that it's almost looked down upon when you abstain. Substances taken the moment people wake, all throughout the day, and often one of the last things they drink or eat before they go to bed. Need a break? Have a cup of tea. Don't want to work? Pop out of the office and buy a coffee. Need a pick-me-up? Grab some chocolate. Feeling bad? Eat some ice cream. Indulge. (laughs) Had dinner? Need one last distraction? Have dessert. Ready for bed? Have a cup of tea first. I think you get my drift. (laughs) They saturate our life. I'm talking about substances that fill up voids in people's lives, that create a temporary distraction, a fleeting moment of pleasure, a false high, and are sometimes used to justify a mediocre to shitty existence. The job you would rather not turn up to on Monday the relationship that isn't quite right, the lifestyle that's taking its toll on your health, or the commitments to be available to others when you can barely tend to your own needs. The stress, so much stress and busyness. And when you're navigating your way through all of that, these substances can become a welcome savior. 
I'm streaming about substances that have been weaponized and advertised to the population through television media that saturate every show, movie, and not so coincidentally, all of our lives, every home, workplace, community place, gathering, and celebration. Substances that can prevent you from accessing your real thoughts, feelings, and acting out of your true nature beyond your programming. Substances that wreak havoc on society in the form of violence, destruction of property, and even the breakdown of family homes. Substances that lead to adrenal fatigue, brain damage, depression, anxiety, chronic illness, chronic pain, chronic dehydration, and premature death, even birth defects. Substances that can make you anxious, depressed, numb, dull, lifeless, tired, exhausted, brain dead, that interrupt your deep healing sleep, your hormones, and make you susceptible to mind control and influence. Substances that rob you of mental clarity in your later years of life. The years where you are meant to be completing your greatest life works and bestowing wisdom to younger generations, not trapped in a nursing home with a brain in degeneration. Substances that have created a world of addicts who may not even really know themselves without the stimulation because they haven't abstained for long enough to find out. Substances that make modern day slavery not only acceptable, but even trendy. So yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this one. As nervous as I am to share the most unpopular topic I can think of, (laughs) I know I have to because I care about health, wellness, and have plenty of room in my heart for people suffering chronic pain, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, people who feel trapped in either their mind, body, emotional body, or all of the above, who feel like they aren't living to their full potential or fulfilling their purpose at any stage or age in life. I really want to share my journey and experiences that have enriched my life in more ways than I will ever successfully convey to you. And what I found was this. All my symptoms were exacerbated by my daily habits. I woke up to my own self-sabotage that turned out to be the major cause of extreme fatigue and pain among many other health issues. Now for a trip down a fairly confronting memory lane so you can see where I'm coming from. Caffeine, alcohol, and sugar. (laughs) I have loved these things since I can remember. Whether it was waiting patiently for Friday night lolly night, the only night we got to eat candy in our family home, or taking sneaky sips of mum's coffee or dad's beer when they weren't looking, I have always been drawn to these substances like a true fanatic. Let's start with caffeine. I grew up on a farm and my grandparents lived just down the road, which was often a place to meet for morning tea. Like most farm children, I went from breast milk to cow's milk to eventually English breakfast tea as my staple drink. My heritage is Scottish, Irish and English. So by the time I left the farm, I had seen more pots of tea made than a modern day barista. Tea time was special. It solved everything from exhaustion to boredom. It was ceremony, connection, a break, or what we called smoko. 
Tea time was when everyone stopped and talked, attempted a crossword from the newspaper, or even just sighed in silence if need be. Years later, when everyone had grown up and my family would gather, our vast differences were met in the middle around a pot of tea. So the thought of no longer participating in this ritual was not an option for me. One thing trumped tea, and that was coffee. I fell in love with the idea of drinking coffee as a teenager. As a classic Capricorn tween who attempts to skip their entire childhood, (laughs) coffee became my fast track to growing up. I remember brewing coffee from about the age of 16, and when I was 18, I moved to Sydney. Hiding behind a latte in a trendy cafe in Bondi Beach made me feel like I belonged and wouldn't give away my awkward country girl character hiding underneath. Coming from a very small town of 100 residents in outback New South Wales, there were no cafes and most people drank instant coffee. My attraction to poshness, coolness and city life made me feel like I was someone else and coffee made me fit in with that city folk and be that someone else. It would seem that I began mimicking the behavior of the crowd. I love coffee so much that when I met a friend at a cafe and they didn't drink it, I didn't mean to, but honestly, I thought there was something wrong with them, like an actual defect. As I left Sydney and traveled around Australia, I drank coffee irregularly, but didn't create a habit until I became a waitress and took coffee orders all day long. I enjoyed a piccolo latte first thing in the morning before serving my customers. When I entered the corporate world and took on less sociable roles, I found myself stressed and isolated and my immense love of coffee became an intense need. Soon, I was drinking one to two coffees nearly every day along with multiple cups of tea. I began consuming a lot of caffeine. And that amount might seem normal for most, but remember, normal isn't healthy. It's anything but... The amount was approximately 350 milligrams of caffeine per day, which according to some folk who are totally invested in people consuming caffeine, is still the safe limit. But when I went off caffeine altogether and saw the changes in my body, mind and emotional state, I can tell you that limit is far from safe, at least for me. I mean, do you trust the safe levels of electromagnetic radiation, chemicals, poisons, and other drugs? I certainly don't, (laughs) because all these things make a lot of money. And when money is involved, you can bet multiple components that decide these levels are swayed both consciously and unconsciously. Anyway, it got to a point where I couldn't bear a day without coffee. I didn't want to face my day, my job, my life, or even other people until I'd had my daily dose. Even though I developed a full-blown addiction, it was covered up with a story that might sound a little familiar. I'm not addicted. I just really, really, really love coffee. It grounds me, it centers me, and helps me wake up. Just one cup means I'm not addicted, right? (sighs) Ah... I thought I would drink coffee every day until I died, and for a long time, I never even entertained the idea of giving it up altogether. I also felt this way about alcohol. It was a big part of my life. 
In my 20s, I went out every week, Friday and Saturday. I enjoyed day drinking at my forever party house and went to Sunday sessions at my local pub, wherever I lived at the time. For me, drinking was a normal part of socializing and everyday life. I found it weird when someone said they didn't drink alcohol. Behind a fake smile, I secretly assigned them a boring party pooper label and seriously considered if they were going to be a drag on the evening. Alcohol was my escape from the very life I had created. But at the time, I wasn't conscious of any of this. I just enjoyed partying. Looking back, I wasn't completely happy and alcohol provided a short-term relief from the various agonizing flavors to my soul pain. The pain of things not turning out the way I thought they would. The pain of life being so damn hard. The pain of not fitting in and feeling like this place is a letdown. The pain of lacking meaningful connections. The pain of distorted love and toxic relationships. The pain of sitting through superficial conversations, one after the next, every day from work to play. The pain of being inauthentic to be accepted. The pain of loneliness and being misunderstood. And of course, the pain of living outside my true nature and feeling totally off track with my purpose. For many years, I abused my body and drank alcohol mindlessly, binge drinking often two to three nights a week. One late morning, I came conscious whilst coughing and realized I was lying dangerously face up on a tiled floor, coughing on my own vomit. I then remembered I was somewhere in Spain in a pub and that I'd given myself severe alcohol poisoning the evening before. Now I was waiting for a connection train to begin my journey home with my travel companions, who I crawled out of the bathroom and back up the stairs to meet, my face a mask of shame. Ashamed, because I was on a study abroad trip for a natural medicine college. Here I was studying the healing arts, all the while binge shrinking like a wild teenager, yet in my early 30s. That shame made me punish myself even more. I needed my stomach pumped and I didn't tell a soul, as I wanted to hide the destruction I'd caused myself. I also didn't want to derail the trip in any way for the others, so I felt I had one choice and that was to soldier on. But to be fair, I don't remember drinking too excessively, at least not enough to cause that sort of reaction, because I had a friggin' high tolerance for alcohol at that point in my life, and through a lot of experience, I knew my limits and when to stop just before the point of getting sick. But this evening was different. I was nightclub hopping in San Sebastian. I remember looking around and taking in the sights, blown away by how many people they let into a nightclub. It was pumping everywhere I went. And I felt so freeing because I remember what it was like partying in Australia before heightened security, too many rules and incessant control. In San Sebastian, it was like going back in time. People were sitting on whatever they could find, hanging out of the windows. They were smiling, laughing, connecting. The physical contact between them was so genuine. I was having the best nightclub experience I'd ever had, and I'd had many. Then it suddenly stopped. My desire to observe people taught me something quite sobering. I noticed that very few people had drinks in their hands. 
Yes, many were probably on drugs, but the overall energy felt much more present to reality. I looked down at the fishbowl-sized cocktail that I was holding and glanced towards my Aussie friends who were holding the same. Aussie culture was bumping up against Spanish culture. (laughs) I recall feeling self-conscious and unladylike, even though that stuff never really bothered me before. I put my fishbowl down and was done for the night. Looking back, I had an intervention by my greater being because my body and soul were screaming enough and gave me an experience that would truly wake me up from my current path of self-destruction. And it did. (laughs) But first, I needed to purge my dinner and the alcohol from that night and the energies of nearly 15 years of poisoning myself and hiding from my own wounds and severe unhappiness. I'd also just begun taking a new course of bark flower essences that powerfully alter the subtle emotional body. And to this day, I suspect they too played a role in my intervention and subsequent purge. So for the next 48 hours plus, I dealt with alcohol poisoning, which included vomiting repeatedly in many public bins, and I'll spare you the other details. In that time, I had nothing else to do but look at my behavior, all the while traveling via buses, trains, planes, and even ferries. Oh, that was the worst. From Europe to Mauritius to an island and back to Australia. Two days with alcohol poisoning in constant motion but luckily I improved with every leg of the journey. Although I regularly drank alcohol for at least another seven years after that, I stopped binge drinking and even had 18 months alcohol free, which is something I never thought that I would do. Through years of inner work and facing my wounds, I didn't feel a need to get drunk and noticed that the last few occasions I did were related to work functions where I used alcohol to fit into a social situation that wasn't a match for me. This was a micro version of what I'd been experiencing my whole life. In my mid-30s, I proudly went on to enjoy nice wines and beers for the taste with no remorse or guilt about the quantity of alcohol I was consuming, which got down to about three glasses of wine per week and the odd beer, sometimes more, sometimes less. But even this small amount of alcohol contributed greatly to the overall intake of the next life-depleting substance. Sugar. (laughs) I certainly never thought I would need to reduce my sugar intake because I spent most of my life in sweet, sweet denial that I had a problem to begin with or that sugar was anything to be concerned about. It's not fat. It can't make me fat, right? (laughs) Uh. My sugar addiction pretty much provided the same temporary window escapes from my reality as caffeine and alcohol. We weren't allowed candy much as children, so unfortunately I made up for it when I moved out of home. If my mood was low and I wanted to cheer myself up, I used to go to the supermarket and buy lots of junk food, chocolate, cookies, cakes, gelato, sorbet, candy, and eat enough in one sitting to feed a family. Easily, because often I was drunk or stoned and had no switch-off button. I would pass out after binge eating and wake to the sugar still in my mouth, 
along with a strong sense of regret. I lost my first adult tooth at age 22, no surprises, yet I still, still continued on my path. By my 30s, I was supposed to be learning all about the impact of sugar on the body whilst in college, but vividly recall tuning out and trying not to let the impromptu sugar lectures affect me. I had no desire to admit this addiction, let alone face it, and as a result, I let the words wash right over me. With a quick pat on the back, I changed to eating only organic sweets, cookies, chocolate, ice cream, where I could, and closed the chapter tight. That was a brief recollection of a much older version of me, a woman I barely recognize today. And that's true, if only you could see my sad-ass-looking passport photo. Ah, I feel so much relief in setting her free as shame can't hide in the light of disclosure. And I'm excited to paint the picture of how I started truly cleaning up my habits about three to four years ago, including the surprising but glaringly obvious things I discovered that fast-tracked my healing and regeneration. So if you're listening to this at the time of release, we will pick up the adventure next week. Otherwise, I invite you to click through to part two where I take you on an enlightening journey of how I changed my caffeine, alcohol, and sugar habits, transformed my health, and as a surprising byproduct, rediscovered my natural source of energy. Wow. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you making the space in your life to tune into this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I trust you enjoyed it so much that you're about to share it with a loved one who may welcome this wisdom being sent their way. So you're aware, I'm not on social media at the time of this release. So if you wish to say hello, ask a question, or browse my current offers, go to grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. And the best way to stay in touch is to subscribe on my website where you can receive my seasonal email musings and a heads up when new episodes are released. If you have received greatly from Streaming Wisdom and feel an urge to give back, here are my most cherished ways of receiving your appreciation. One is to share an episode on social media or with a loved one. Another is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and reviews are very welcomed. You can also make a financial contribution via the podcast page. Again, that's grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. However you contribute, know that it fills my heart and fuels more episodes of streaming wisdom. Thank you again, wise one. See you next time.